Sportsnet Today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. All right, uh, rolling along on this Wednesday. Little Sportsnet Today leading you up to Flames Talk at 4 o'clock, and then Blue Jays Baseball at 5. Steinberg and Aaron Vickers along with you. What's going on, Vic? Oh, you know, just trading barbs about super troopers and tossing some quotes and, you know, having some fun. Let's, uh, let's get this going right now. Yeah, there you Do go. Do it. I like Do it. it. I like it. Um, lots to get into this hour on Sportsnet today. We'll dial in on the Flames, of course, on Flames Talk from 4 to 5 o'clock. Jays, Orioles at 5. Um, start with the Vegas Golden Knights, though, and your 2023 Stanley Cup champions. How do we feel about that win? How do we feel about the run that they just went on because I came away from that game five. That reminded me a lot of the LA Kings when they won their first Stanley cup uh, against New Jersey in the Stanley cup finals. Remember New Jersey, uh, New Jersey pushed them a little bit and it was up. I believe they were up three Oh, and then they got it to game six. And then in game six back in, uh, in LA, the Kings just blew them out of the water. Now it wasn't exactly the same, but Florida pushed a little bit in game three, got the win, scored the overtime winner. All of a sudden, a little bit of doubt. Then Vegas is able to get the job done in game four, and they come back home, and they smelt blood. No Matthew Kachuk, a beat-up Panthers team on the ropes. It felt like they were out of gas, and the Golden Knights just bulldozed them. It was an absolute pounding, and so it was an emphatic way for them to win a Stanley Cup on home ice, which we have not seen a lot of in recent years, teams winning the Cup on home ice. And uh, it just, as they won that Cup, it, it felt like a team that was ready to win a Stanley Cup and a group that had had a number of disappointments. Of course, last year, extremely disappointing. The two years prior in their exits in the Western Conference Final, very disappointing. It just felt like a team that had been building to this and a team that was ready to win a Stanley Cup. And boy, were they ready to win a Stanley Cup last night. That cup-clinching game was a systemic dismantling of the Florida Panthers. And I actually give the Panthers credit because I thought they were going to be flat right from the opening puck drop. They gave about five minutes of pushback in that first period where Aiden Hill was there to answer the bell. And... After that, that first goal goes in, the Mark Stone shorthanded goal, which just I'm going to skate right to the net, stop at the top of the crease and lift a shot in off the post was not something you necessarily want to give up that chance if you're the Florida Panthers. But the second that that puck hit the back of the net, I felt it was over for the Florida Panthers. They didn't strike early. I wasn't confident that they'd be able to go toe-to-toe with the Vegas Golden Knights. And of course, 60 minutes later, 55 minutes after that uh, initial push, they certainly didn't. Full marks, the Vegas Golden Knights. You mentioned it. They smelled blood. Florida Panthers running on fumes. No Matthew Kachuk, as we heard post-game, a whole host of injuries for for Panthers players, including Kachuk and Aaron Ekblad, two of the biggest pieces on the team. Broken sternum. Goodness gracious. Couple shoulder pops, broken foot, so on and so forth. Full marks to the Florida Panthers, but the Vegas Golden Knights knew they had them dead to rights and, and put the finishing touches on them in that just dominant performance for me. It um, it felt it also felt a lot like in a lot of ways when Washington won their Stanley Cup in 2018. Funny enough, in Vegas's building against the Golden Knights in Vegas's first year of existence. Remember that Capitals team 
their window was supposed to be closed. Everybody thought that the year before when they didn't go all the way that, yeah, their chances of getting it done were probably done. And then they did. And after last year with how Jack Eichel's first season as a member, half season as a member of the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, didn't really push him into the playoffs or push him over the top and Mark Stone's injury issues and all of what went into last season where they ended up missing the playoffs. There was a lot of thought that Vegas had mortgaged too much and they had thrown away too much of their future for right now. They were too old and their window had closed and this team wasn't going to be able to get the job done again. And then what do they do this year? They win the Pacific division. They are the top team in the Western conference. And again, it's not like they, it's not like they closed their eyes and, and cakewalked to the Stanley cup, but they were a pretty damn good team the entire way uh, en route to winning their first ever Stanley cup. So it, it was another example of, you know, when you're a pretty good team, you can still have a down year. Washington had their year where everybody thought that they were done. They won the Stanley Cup. Everybody thought Tampa was, when they missed the playoffs that one year, or even when they got swept in round one, a lot of people thought that Tampa just wasn't going to be able to get it done. Uh, Colorado had all of those disappointments before finally winning the Stanley Cup. It takes a long time, and it takes a lot of swings to finally be able to raise that thing. Well, I do get the criticisms of how they were built because I, I get that they're only six years old. The organization has not been around a long time, but by my count, and correct me if I'm wrong, they had one player that was originally drafted, excluding the expansion draft, so through the NHL entry draft, that was in the lineup for that club cup-clinching uh, game. And they went about it free agency. They went about it by acquiring top-line players. They... They, they, they threw out the whole I was marginal say, contracts, entry-level contracts, and they just went for it. They bucked every trend that, that, we're, that we've expected when it comes to conventional team-building wisdom. They are the team. Everybody says in the NHL, you can't buy a championship. And I, think that's, I don't think that's what Vegas did, but when the Golden Knights, the Golden Knights started, if you remember year one at that draft in 2017, that would have been uh, Chicago, uh, at that draft, the Vegas Golden Knights, they were holding teams for ransom to get draft picks. They had so many picks in the top 60, and this is a team that, that looked like they were going to play the long game. And then, obviously, they had the incredible first year that blew everybody's expectations out of the water and got them to the Stanley Cup Final. And from that point forward... They've decided to go about business the complete opposite way than most teams build their teams. And and part of that is because they built up as much asset capital as they yep. did in that first year and in that first draft. And the way that George McPhee worked the expansion draft gave him a lot of different chips to put into play. But they some of the some of the things that they they buck trends on. You have to draft the number one center. Well, not if you're Vegas. You have to draft the number one defenseman. Not if you're Vegas. They acquired Jack Eichel, and he could very well have the whole, well, you'll never win with Jack Eichel. Apparently you will. He is a perfect one-for-one one on playoffs and Stanley Cups. Uh, they, they, they traded for Jack Eichel. They traded for a Selkie Trophy winger in Mark Stone. They signed Alex Petrangelo, um, and they were really quick and pragmatic to cut bait with players at a almost ruthless at times. Oh, inhuman, it was ruthless. Inhuman level. Like, Marc-Andre Fleury, you're too much. Peace. Max Pacioretty, we gave up a first-round pick for you. 
yeah, sorry, bud. Uh, we just we just don't see it. We're going to give you away for almost nothing because we need to we need to reshape our team. Everything that we've expected or or everything that we have learned about how you're supposed to build a team, Vegas is like, meh. Watch this. We'll we'll do it a little bit differently and win a cup. And I know a lot of people don't like it, but I give them a lot of credit for not bowing to the uh, societal norms of the NHL. Well, it's funny because we always talk about, well, hockey is a business first and foremost. Yeah, but Vegas took that to the absolute nth degree, going full cutthroat. They didn't mind burning bridges, whether it be with players or agents. They were highly criticized for it at the time. Marc-Andre Fleury is the one that comes to mind the most. But you can't argue. It worked. They've got the trophy. They've got bragging rights for 365 days. It worked. And it's funny you mentioned that draft. The 2017 draft, three first-round picks, Cody Glass gone, Nick Suzuki gone, Eric Brandstrom gone. They traded their first-rounder in 2018. 2019 first-rounder, Peyton Krebs, gone. gone. So they weren't shy to burn assets. This was not going to be a slow build. The second they found success in Vegas, both on the ice and off the ice, they, oh, man, I, Bad pun alert. They shoved their chips all in and went for it. Couple of years, it was looking like that might not have been the best path for them, but here they are, Stanley Cup champions. You can't argue what they went and did. They're the champions. You can't knock it until you knock them off. They're justified in doing everything that they did. There, there could have been a real temptation to fall prey to the sunk cost fallacy, right? For instance, Max Pacioretty, they gave up Nick Suzuki, who's Montreal's yeah. number one center. Look at the contract Suzuki just signed. Take a look at the last couple of seasons for Suzuki. Uh, 61 and 66 points, and it seems like it's only going to get better. And they say, yeah, we gave up Suzuki in a second-round pick to bring Pacioretty in. And, eh, Pacioretty, four seasons, thanks, but no thanks. We need to move on. A lot of teams in this league would say, well, we gave up that much for Pacioretty. We can't give him away for nothing. And, and Vegas did not fall prey to that trap. They are the most pragmatic hockey team I've ever seen. And especially over six years of existence. Yeah. Like that, that is, and I, I know a lot of people don't like it, but I think there's something to be said about an owner who cares about one thing and one thing only. And especially after the, his team's success in year one, which George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, Bill Foley, nobody expected year one to go the way that it did. And if they did, they were lying to you, right? They didn't expect it, but it happened. And so they adjusted and they said, hold on a second. We have got a rabid fan base. We have got something that has taken off. We've got players that are clearly better than they were valued by their other teams, or maybe even better than we thought they were. Ala Jonathan Marcheseau or Riley Smith or Carlson. Carlson, yeah, Shea Theodore, all these guys. You know the six that all uh, the, the the six that were the original members of the team. And they said, okay, let's start building. And the first big move was Pacioretty. And a number of months later at the following deadline, it was Stone. And it just kept on going and going and going. And obviously, the Eichel trade was the last big one. But I know a lot of people are sick of Vegas fans. You're like, okay, you're spoiled and you're arrogant. And yeah, both could be true. Especially the spoiled part. You know how spoiled you are as a Vegas Golden Knight fan? You've had a team for of the six time. years and all you do is go to Western Conference Finals and Cup Finals. Um, yeah, you are spoiled. But if I'm a fan of, I don't know, 25 to 27 other teams in the NHL, I want my owner to be exactly like Bill Foley is. 
Screw everything. I want to win a Stanley Cup. And here, Kelly, George, you have got carte blanche to do whatever you want to win a Stanley Cup. We will pay whatever we need for guys not to be here. We will trade away future considerations. We will fire coaches. We will pay coaches years into their... Doesn't matter. Financially, here is your blank check. Win me a Stanley Cup. Like how How many fans of teams would love to have an owner like that, whether they're ruthless or overly pragmatic or or throw the human component out of it uh, into the garbage. I think a lot of fans of different teams in this league would really like to have an owner that goes about their business that way. Well, and especially if it ends up in a championship. And I didn't fact check this. I didn't see it. But was it Foley that said, upon getting a team, we're going to win the Stanley Cup in six years? Yep. And here we are, yep. year six. They're hoisting Lord Stanley's Cup. It's, it's incredible commitment, not only to the ownership, but to the executives general manager, president of hockey ops, so on and so forth for sticking to their vision, believing in their vision, pivoting off certain things that they thought was going to get them there that didn't, like you said, blank check, just give me the results. Well, here you are. You're the Stanley Cup champions for the first time ever. And I know that it's another cup champion that used LTIR Uh. to their advantage. My only here, and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm. Uh, I'm either going to fight you or agree with you. Let's go. Maybe I'm on an island on this one, but like, if the mechan- mechanism exists to use LTIR the way that Chicago did, they were the first one to really do it like that when they held Patrick Kane out uh, in 2014. I think it was when he broke his collarbone. They held him out until game one of their series against Nashville. Then all of a sudden, Patrick Kane's back and scoring an overtime winner in game one of that series. And you're like, oh. And I believe they were able to go and acquire Antoine Vermette that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise because they had Kane. Nobody was yelling at the Blackhawks at that time. But anyway, then Tampa Tampa. did very, very um, noticeably the last number of cups they won, the last two cups that they won. And obviously Vegas did it this year. But I guess if the mechanism exists... And I'm a fan of another team that is mad at Tampa or Vegas for taking advantage of the way LTIR can be used. I would more be mad at my team for not doing it themselves. Like, use, while it exists, take advantage of it. So if you're a fan of uh, the Banff Fighting Squirrels... uh, That's a great name. Trademark Rob Kerr. I gotta make sure that's that's Rob Kerr's team name. Um, But if if you're a fan of another team... You'd want your GM and your owner to take advantage of LTIR like these teams have. That's kind of the way I look at it. As opposed, it's not cheating. Is it maybe ambiguous or gray area? Maybe. See, I don't even think so. I mean, it's very it's, it's the same it's, for it's thirty-two teams. Rules. Yeah, exactly. I don't even consider it taking advantage of it. And if you're smart enough and have enough confidence to time major surgery for star players so that their recovery is X number of weeks or X number of months, and that gets them healthy again for either the stretch drive or into the playoffs themselves. So be it. This isn't something that's exclusive only to the Vegas Golden Knights or only the Tampa Bay Lightning, or as you mentioned, the Chicago Blackhawks. This this same set of rules, the same set of parameters exists for 32 teams. So if you're another team complaining about this, you don't get the right. The same rules, the same mechanisms, they all apply to you. You just didn't use them the same way, or you didn't have, to be quite honest, I imagine the Vegas Golden Knights weren't thrilled with the injury history to Mark Stone, their captain. I imagine they would have loved him to be 100% healthy the whole way through. He wasn't. That wasn't the case. So two, two back surgeries in 13 months isn't ideal, isn't ideal for a player. 
But if you can start looking at his rehab path and timing, okay, if he does this here, when will he be ready there? So be it. It's it's available to all 31 other teams. It's not a Vegas Golden Knights exclusive expansion rule that they're able to skirt that other teams can't. It just so happens that this is the way it unfolded. I'm on I'm on Team well, Steinberg thought, on this. I thought you were gonna. Uh, I thought you were gonna fight me on this. Uh, one. I mean, I'll fight you off air. Don't need to do okay. it on air. At least not on this one because I'm in full agreement with you. I, I I just it exists. Every other team can do the same thing if they wanted to. And I know that there are downfalls to dipping into LTIR, like you can't bank cap space and so on and so forth. But there are also well, upsides. Now you don't like if you're if you're the Anaheim Ducks or the I'm trying to think of the the really bad teams right now or the Philadelphia Flyers or you know Arizona. dipping in, Arizona dipping into LTIR doesn't really do much for you because you do that so that you can give yourself an opportunity to acquire at the deadline and bulk yourself up for the playoffs when the salary cap disappears. So it's only certain teams that can do that, but you know, I look back at I, I look back at different circumstances over the last number of years. Lots of teams could have gone down that road. Like you have to have an injury, first of all. Well, you have to be able to do it. But The flip side of this argument, too, though, is is instead of putting guys on LTIR, you can accrue that space so you can bring in an 8 or a 9 or a $10 million player at the deadline, add them to your roster. Well, suddenly your opening playoff day roster can be $8, 9000000 million over that cap as well. So there's different ways to go about yeah. it, too. So it's not just exclusive to LTIR. So if the argument is, is, well, they had $90 million in salary on their roster, well, there's other ways to go about adding significant salary as well by banking that uh, cap space before the deadline too. So there's different mechanisms to go about it. You just don't hear that argument being made in regards to, oh, well, they're so deep into LTIR, they were able to do, to do this once they got healthy. Once you got to the playoffs and there's no real cap rule, well, there's still ways to exceed the salary cap if you're still cap compliant using the cap space you bank up heading into the deadline. And now I don't know exactly what the max is and how that would go about. It depends on what your your salary is heading into the deadline, but there's still ways that you can be significantly yeah. over that cap number and still be not in LTIR. I uh, want to uh, read some text, 960, 960. Um, this says, so tell me this. Why was it a good idea for Calgary to, to not put Shillington on LTIR just seems stupid to have him on the roster when it was clear he wasn't playing. Well, okay, so here that's a really good question, and and I think a really relevant question that that gets into kind of the the, the pros and cons of using LTIR and why you might and why you might not. First of all, Shillington at two and a half million dollars is not the same of as as Stone at nine million dollars on LTIR. It doesn't. You know, it's not going to give you the same type of credit or the same type of ability to go make a big splash. But let's, for instance, say the Flames were better than they were last year. Say that this year lived up closer to the expectations for Calgary than we thought they or or closer to the ones we thought they were going to be. And they come to the trade deadline and Shillington hasn't played all year. You keep a guy on the roster and, and you don't go LTIR to bank cap space and to accrue the daily cap the space. The second you put you're into LTIR, you're not accruing cap space. Exactly. So the longer that you can hold off going into LTIR, you always do regardless of what team you are. But say that the Flames were battling for top spot in the Pacific and looked like they had deep run aspirations this year. The fact of the matter was, I don't think the Flames were in the playoffs come this year's trade deadline. So... It, that that was the actual reality. And because of that, 
it didn't make any sense for them to go into LTIR because they weren't going to be making a big splash at this year's deadline. If they were, then they could have put Shillington on LTIR, give themselves as much of that $2.5 million as they possibly yeah. could in cap credit, and that could have given them a little bit fle- a little bit of flexibility. It's why Tampa and Vegas are the ones, or, or even going back to Chicago, the ones that have done it, because they all had cup aspirations. They were all clearly going to the playoffs, and they were all bulking up for a Stanley Cup run. The Flames weren't doing that at this year's deadline because they were a mediocre team this year. Yeah, they would have, had they been in a position, whether it be second or third in the Pacific Division, or just firmly in the wild card hunt, what have you, they made a big splash at the deadline and brought in I don't know what their max was at that time, five or six million. They could have went above that by sliding Oliver Shillington on LTIR at that point because you're not going to be banking. There's no no banking cap space after the trade deadline to the point where you're able to really do anything with it. So you can accrue it right up to the trade deadline. You could have put Shillington on LTIR, got the extra bonus that way, and brought in a player. It just so happened the Calgary Flames weren't in a position that they were big buyers at the deadline to take advantage of that. Uh, this reads, the Flames could have done that with Shillington, acquiring cap space until right before the deadline, then putting on a, him on LTIR and having money for two players at the deadline. The reason yeah. I'm a Flames fan and not an Oilers fan, and the reason I still respect Tree and think he has integrity, is that he didn't do that. See, I, I, don't, I don't think that that... And this is not to say Tree doesn't have integrity because I firmly believe he does, but I don't think that's why he didn't do that. I think if he had the mechanism to do that, he would have. Uh, but or or if he had the team where it well, made sense to do that, he would have. It was intellectual honesty. What does adding and just going back, like what what would adding James Van Riemsdyk, for example, because he was one of the rumored guys, do for the Calgary Flames down the stretch? Exactly versus acquisition costs, which was going to be a first round pick or a second round pick plus the salary, and yes, we can get into retention or whatnot, hypothetical scenarios, what have you. But where the Calgary Flames were and the cost to acquire assets, whether Tree thought he was going to be here beyond this season or not, it didn't make sense from an organizational standpoint to sacrifice the assets for where the team was at. Uh, Dylan in Revy says, I think Mark Stone's going to retire three goals in a cup clinching game goes out on top and maybe don't risk bad things happening with his degenerative back disease. Your thoughts answer in French for Logan. I'm being honest. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think I, Mark Stone uh, his competitiveness is yeah. through the roof. And just for all those people, that, I speak French. I live in Calgary. It's it's okay. I, I don't speak incredible French, but I speak very uh, functional and conversational French. So I don't know. Je parle un petit peu. See? Un petit peu. Je peux parler français. This says, I appreciate everything you're saying, Patty, but let's be honest. The real reason Vegas won the cup was because of the man, the myth, the legend, Phil Kessel. How unbelievably lucky is that dude? Possible hot dog cup, hot dog cup 2.0 in 2023. Three cups. Uh, dude has done, and you know what? He was a far, far more bit piece of this cup win than he was to those two Penguins Cup wins. When yes. he was a massive part of that on that third line that well, he's just health, destroyed other teams. Healthy scratch the last three rounds, basically the whole way through. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this. What, and this is completely sideways, so apologies in advance, but what's your take on healthy scratches getting dressed up in full gear for the celebration on the ice? Because they would get geared up with like three, five minutes to go 
this game wasn't tight, so you didn't really have to worry about that. But in a tight game, you would have been getting geared up with the outcome still hanging in the balance and waiting. Where are you just generally on having to throw on your full gear to celebrate with teammates? I love it. Do you? Yeah. I find it weird. You want I get, get it, I get it for pictures wanna, and such. Exactly for the pictures. But you it's still look just like a little a like just throw on the jersey over top of the suit. I'd be fine with that. No, I like the full. Gear. Okay, okay. Authentic. Now, if you, how about if you're a goalie? Um, <laughs> it was weird seeing. I think there were as many goalies on the yeah. ice as there were <laughs> as there were players last night. Oh, it's like I I didn't know that he played for. The, is that is that Jim Carrey? I didn't know he played for the. Wait a second. Bill Ranford was a goalie coach in L.A. I did not know Andre Trevilov played for the Vegas Golden Was that Vegas. Andre Medvedev? Freddie Brathwaite, what are you doing there? Sorry to completely throw you off the rails on that one, well, but I just Ty- saw it, and Tyler I was just kind of curious. Tyler Moss is on the ice. We're just going Brent Cron? Well, no, Cron. Now, let's not get crazy <laughs> here. We're going through obscure Flames goalies over the year. Tyrone Garner, what are you doing there? Um, by the way... I see Tyler Moss like two or three times a week downtown. So that guy's a beauty. He should he he should raise the Stanley Cup. Moss or yes, Croner no. Um, this says the Golden Knights winning model being completely unscrupulous, loyalty be damned, and the shiniest toys are to be had at all cost. They were also lucky the Panthers are riddled with injuries, so some luck for Vegas there. Well, you always need luck to win a Stanley Cup. No doubt about that. You need some things to go your way. Yeah, you don't survive four rounds without getting injury luck on both sides, whether it be for yourself or your opponent. And we'll find out in the coming days how banged up Vegas is. That's not usually a point of topic when you're celebrating the Stanley Cup as it is when you lose. And, of course, Matthew Kachuk, Aaron Eckblad, a whole bunch. I'm sure we'll hear about a whole host of injuries for the Vegas Golden Knights. That's not their focus right now. And the fact of the matter remains, they're healthy enough to get the job done. And that... That is a combination of conditioning and luck. I do uh, give Matthew Kachuk a ton of credit for playing through oh, some of those what, stories. A full game of of playing through a broken sternum. The amount of pain that dude must have been in to not be able to play last. There was night. one report that Brady had to help him. him out after out of bed from the uh, pregame nap before game four, and teammates had to help lace up his skates and his gear for game four. Like some of that stuff is. That's uh, a dicey at best, I would suggest. Chris Tanev, Patrice Bergeron level. I give, look, I, I know he's a former flame and lots of people didn't want him to win, but I do give Kachuk a ton of credit for that. And gamer. That was, that. At the same time, man. That goes look after beyond yourself. gamer. That is just a different level of uh, pain tolerance. Uh, this says the goal, uh, Vegas ownership nailed it from day one. It was about winning and they went for it. And in turn, their franchise value has more than doubled in six years. And finally from Dan and Cochran, Vegas is just the second time, second team in the cup era to win a cup without a self-drafted top four pick on their roster. Detroit in 08 being the other kudos to them, but I don't view it as a model to copy in my opinion. I think I, I do think there's something to that. I don't think every team should all of a sudden say, you know what? Screw it. Mortgage of the future, we're doing what Vegas did. Vegas had some very, very important built-in advantages. No state tax, the the atmosphere, the fact that their arena's on the strip. It's Las Vegas, Nevada. It has everything that goes with the Vegas package. Look, if you're a Vegas idiot like me who who considers that degenerate, place their actually, second degenerate. home. But uh, it's not just the gambling. It's everything that goes yeah, into you, Vegas. I'm, I'm a Vegas idiot. I love that place. Um, and... If I were a millionaire, I'd love it even more. 
So so Alex Petrangelo looks at it as a free agent and says, damn, yeah, that's a place I want to go. Sign me up. And Jack Eichel says, Vegas is a team that is very much interested in me and they're willing to let me get the surgery I want. Yeah, let's let's make let's see if we can go there. And so they have built-in advantages because of their tax situation, their winning situation, their brand new building, their living situation and the fact that they uh have have an incredible group of fans. So not every like I don't think that uh, I don't think Buffalo or Columbus could go down the same road. I don't think Calgary or Edmonton or Ottawa or Winnipeg, Winnipeg could go down the same road and do the same thing Vegas yeah. did. You have to. You also have to take advantage of your situation. It's one thing to spend the assets and have the actual guts to make these acquisitions, but it's another thing to have the structural advantages, as you kind of put it, to be able to keep or retain the players that you do bring in. The Vegas Golden Knights have been very fortunate to use some of those things to their advantage in order to not only bring these players in, but keep them long-term as well. Uh, thank you very much uh, on the text line at 960-960. Um, I just, uh, oh, by the way, it was cool to see Michael Stone on the ice last night, too. Did you see him uh, walking around? They just kinda... You know what? I didn't, but I saw tweets that he was on the ice, and yeah, I, I don't mind that one bit. It was cool to see. Um, I was just... he double, double shotgun in beers like uh, Brady in Calgary? No, and... he even said that on that Locker, he wasn't going like, to do that. Yeah, I'm not but... going to be like Brady. He was... Michael Stone's a family man. He's just a good, down-to-earth human being. He was just enjoying himself. He had a big smile on his face. He was happy for his brother. It was cool to see. Uh, I just wanted to to quickly say uh, uh, a SHE a, uh, day in our industry. Um, the, our counterparts over at Bell Media made a number of cuts across the media division today. It's just uh, it, for for the... Job that we do, it, it just is a kick in the gut and super sobering. Um, and for our colleagues in this province at TSN 1260 in Edmonton to just have that station go completely dark, uh, super messed up. And I, I know Jason Greger extremely well. I've gotten to know Dusty Nielsen really well. Like two just awesome talents and wicked dudes who I know will land on their feet, but I still feel awful for them in the ju- like you know what the the show that Dusty and and um and 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 his crew built up there um that morning show turned into an institution in that city and and Gregor is an institution in that city he's been doing the drive for 20 years and and Tom Gazzola Tom Gazzola and and it, not just the on air guys like the the folks behind Matty the Wannick. scenes yeah like there, there's a lot of really good people behind the scenes that uh now are looking for work and and uh so I just good luck and and it sucks to see and just from a sports radio standpoint, whether you're Bell or Rogers or Chorus or anybody else, to see that today, um, that uh, that really sucked. It's not right, and I don't I don't think it needed to happen the way it happened. But that's the way it works in media these days. And I just know that there's been a lot of criticism levied our way here in terms of the way things have changed and how things have changed over the last two or three years and. You know, whether it be the way we give you road games for Flames hockey or the way that we, uh, you know, our lineup and, and the amount of local shows. Like, this is a just a slog in this industry right now doing sports talk. It is not easy. Um, it's coming right from the top in terms of media cuts and and CRTC regulations and 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 you know when you're when you're on the ground in each city it's it's a slog and and yeah I won't lie 
year and a half ago or two years ago when uh, all those sports radio stations got cut by Bell across the across the country. That was a, a kick in the gut. And then to see this happen today, another kick in the gut for all of us. And it just is, it's unfortunate because there are so many talented people without work and there are so many talented people with work in this country. Uh, I think sports radio is still a very needed and important medium. It's obviously changes uh, changing. And that's why, you know, for us, that's why kind of the, the move to the podcast slash radio model is, is the way we move because we're, we're trying to keep things as viable as possible. To be full on, completely honest and transparent and frank, I have no idea. There are days when I wake up and I wonder if this is the week that it's going to happen to us. I will not lie because that's just the way that it goes across this industry. But I do know that... Um, there's a lot of hardworking people here that are doing everything we can to make sure that this is as viable a spot as possible. The same way I know there were people in Edmonton doing the same thing at 1260. So just wanted to say from uh, your friends down in Calgary, crappy, crappy news. Y'all are really, really talented. You built something really special up there. Um, and, uh, I wish nothing but the best for all of you. And, uh, I, I, uh, it's, it's too bad to see another all sports radio station. Uh, go away in in this country. So uh, best of luck to everybody. Uh, there's a lot of talented people that just lost their jobs, and, and not just in that market, across across radio and media in this country, but obviously being an all-sports radio station, that one hit the closest to home. So just wanted to say that, um, and uh, yeah, too bad. We'll take a break, come back. It's uh, Pat and Aaron, a little Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Back to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Continuing along, we are chatting about Vegas' Stanley Cup victory, what it means for Vegas, and and you know what? Let's uh, dive into what it means for the Pacific Division as a whole. It's Wednesday. It's time to say hello to our Pacific Division insider, the one, the only, Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. What's going on, J.D.? How are we doing? I'm doing okay, but Pat, I'm listening in my ears or waiting to come on with you. Like, are you going to have to duck out for a tornado or something? Well, what do you mean? Uh, well, I don't know. There was just some, oh, did they? Do we have a? Did we have an emergency alert during the break? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. You know, we can never tell <laughs> if we get when when the emergency warnings hit. I I didn't like. I don't even know if we. So there there was an emergency warning uh, with the tornado watch. Okay, good to know. Well, uh, okay. yeah. Well. I'll keep my eye well, I can help you from, from 2,000 miles away. Yes, thank you. So, you, know. <laughs> you saved my life. Um, <laughs> hey, Vegas finally did it, hey? They, they, they finally, oh. like, uh, six long years. That sign cracked me up yesterday when that Vegas fan had, we've been waiting six long years for this. Uh, but I, I, uh, I was impressed, man. That was an, that, you know what that reminded me of? And I, I wanted to bounce this off of you because you would have been there for this, but. It reminded me of when L.A. won their first Stanley Cup in Game 6 at home to New Jersey. You're like, okay, are they going to get it done? They just pounded the Devils that night, and it wasn't even close. That's what last night felt like for Vegas with me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only thing that we didn't have in that game was a five-minute major you know, that, that, uh, that, you know, that Vegas could capitalize on. They didn't need it. No, it, look, I mean, it was a 2-1 game, and then, you know, and then it was just like, oh, my God, the, you know, the floodgate erupted. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we, when you hear about the, the injuries that that team had, and that's, again, it's that Florida had. It's not to take away from anything that Vegas did. But, they, you know, just talk about a team that, you know, was, that ran out of gas. Yeah. And, you know, not, not to have Matthew Pachuk 
especially. And I don't even know, even if they had Matthew Kachuk, who knows? But look, you, you, you see what, you know, how this Vegas team was built. And, and you know, the, the difference for, for Vegas and what we're seeing with Seattle is that, you know what, Vegas had one draft pick on that roster last night. One. And that's simply just because, you know, or, or largely due in part because, hey, look, when they, when they started this expansion team, you know, they were able to get guys in their early to mid-20s. Um, and you, you don't have to really worry about developing. Uh, you're, or you're developing at a, you know, at, a, at a much shorter curve. Right. So, you know, that, that helps. And you know, when you pay like $900 million for a team, you know, you deserve to have some of those perks. Um, but, it, yeah, it, it is, you know, full, full marks to, to uh, the organization on, on how they built this team. And uh, when you talk about the Pacific Division for next year, I mean, look, this Vegas team, you know, like any team that wins a cup, you know, you're, you're going to see a different look because, you know, they got, you know, five goalies they went through this year and Aiden Hill, you know, are they going to be able to keep it? I mean, you know, Vegas being so tight to the cap, they're not going to have, you know, they're not going to have that luxury uh, to play with some extra money, at least for the start. And so, you know, two guys that I thought played obviously key parts, were, you know, in Barbashev and Aiden Hill, uh, likely that they'll be changing area codes. Yeah. So what what would that leave Vegas with in net? We're talking about like what Logan Thompson emerged as their guy this year before he got hurt yeah. in that game here in Calgary. After he came back and then he got hurt again. Yeah. Logan Thompson, their guy for next year. Is that what we're expecting? Well, I, look, I, 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 nothing that that Vegas does would ever surprise me. So if there is any team that could keep, find a way to keep Aiden Hill, they are that team. But I don't think there would, you know, there there would be any concern, you know, that Logan Thompson would be carrying the load, and it, you know, could it be Logan Thompson and and Laurent Boisseau, you know, being that one-two punch? If both, you know, if for for them, I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. with that situation. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, th- this is a an organization that has has always been extremely creative in being able you know, to, to keep players. Um, and, you know, you win once, you want to win again. You know, you, you always hear that from, from players. Um, I, I do wonder, you know, if winning, you know, winning this year it makes it easier for them not to have to worry about finding a way to keep Aiden Hill. Right. Because they have that cup now, and he was a big part of winning that Stanley well, Cup. Right, right, and, and and look, winning a cup gives you, you know, it, it, it gives you some cachet. It gives you it gives you the ability to to do things and uh, you know make maybe even make some more unpopular moves or you know you you've got a little more runway after you win a cup. You know that you can potentially take a step back. It's going to happen. Look, we know that the Golden Knights at some point. We're going to have to take a step back. Yeah. I don't know if it's next year by any stretch, but so I think, look, they have the luxury. If they're able to keep him great, but they also showed Pat, and we've talked about it numerous times. It didn't matter who was in net. The numbers really weren't, you know, there wasn't a big difference um, in the overall numbers, no matter which goal he played. Um, Marcia. So was your con Smythe guy, right? He, he, he was my, my con Smythe guy, but look, if you, if you told me that Jack Eichel, you know, if Jack Eichel ended up being the guy, 
you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have said I wouldn't have been crying foul by any any stretch, yeah. uh, Pat. But you know, I I think that when it's it's that close or potentially that close, I think the voting would show you it really wasn't as close. But you know, ten goals that either gave his team the lead or tied the game is pretty impressive, uh, uh, extremely significant. And I mean, you can't discount the fact that. He was one of the original six. Well, that's what made it so. That's what made it so special to me is that because uh, I I would have gone Eichel. I just thought that he was the the tone setter for them and the pace setter for mm-hmm. them throughout the playoffs. But I sure did think it was neat to see Marcia So as one of those misfits and one of those original six that had started there uh, through all of the turnover and all of the roster moves that he wanted. I I I, I did think it was super neat. So as much as I would have gone. With Jack Eichel, I was super happy to see that it was Marcia So who got the con smite. Yeah, I mean, what, Jack went the last 11 games without a goal. Now, 20 assists ain't anything to sneeze at, and it's not that, you know, and I, and I, don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I don't, it's not like he was getting some cheap ones. Um, so, you know, to your point, he would have been more than deserving to be yeah. the leading point getter in the playoffs, you know, to win. But, you know, look, for all the all the the garbage that, you know, that, that people give to Vegas. When you think about how things were done last night, I mean, to have, you know, five of the original six start the game, that, that can't be lost. You know, to, to, to have the, all the, you know, the first, you know, those original six guys be the first six guys after Mark Stone to, to you know, to have their turn with the cup. I, that, that, that goes a long way. I mean, I, I think, you know, you can't lose sight of, you know, what they did and how they handled things mm-hmm. last night. Yep. Agreed. Uh, I thought it was, uh, I thought all of it was, was pretty well done. I agree with you. Uh, Jonathan and, Davis. And I will Go say, ahead, sorry. Just, just, uh, just one thing. And then from a, a local side of things, from an L.A. side of things, to see Alec Martinez give Jonathan Quick the cup, I mean that was I thought that was pretty cool. And and even to hear uh Alec Martinez post game talking oh. about Jonathan Quick and yeah. just all that I thought that was it was you know, and yeah. Jonathan Quick's always been a fan favorite in a love to hate way for Flames fans and you know, there is the year that the Flames knocked out LA in twenty fifteen and a couple of times where you know, Jonathan Quick smashed some sticks after a first period goal was let in or something like that. He's always been a love-to-hate guy in this city, but I, I thought it was pretty neat to see Alec Martinez and how emotional he got when he was asked about Quick last night. It was it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, Friedman wants, wanted to make the guy cry. That's really nice, Elliot, you know? Yeah, Friedge was make pulling on... Cry. Fridge was pulling on the emotional heartstrings. He almost made me cry. I was watching. I've I've always been a big Kelly McCrimmon guy, and and watching yeah. him interview Crimmer and and um yeah. you know when he asked about Brad and and you know just knowing Brad yeah. was a part of the '89 team here, and uh, I was like, oh, that's getting me. I can't. I don't know how Kelly is keeping it together. He had to take the one second where he's like, just give me a second. But like I, that yeah. was uh, that was pretty touching too. Yeah, no, all of them. I mean, even you know, Alec, you know, when when Elliot asked Alec Martinez just about, you know, the the thought that maybe his career could have been done last year. Yeah, and Martinez saying, you know, what are you, you're, you're going to make him cry. I mean, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty special. And look, the atmosphere, at both inside and outside that building, I mean, it just tells you if you haven't been to a game in Vegas, I, I think that you, you know, 
and you had any second thoughts about it, yeah. I would have to believe the overwhelming majority of those people would have been converted after last night. Uh, he's Jonathan Davis. He is our Pacific Division insider, joining us Wednesdays here on Sportsnet 960, the fans. So how does the rest of the Pacific Division, so Vegas will clearly be the team to beat, whether they are or not, they will be looked at as the team to beat going into next season as the defending Stanley Cup champions. Where does that, so Ed, Edmonton's been the team that has kind of been next up the last couple of years. They make it to a Western Conference final. This year they make it to round two. Both years they get beat out by the team that goes on to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup. So what does Edmonton need to do to get over, to beat the high-end teams, to take out a Colorado or a Vegas or a Cup-caliber team? Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, you know, I think for Edmonton, we're, we're still back uh, in the goaltending question. I mean, you know, do you, do you really have the guy that you think is going to hoist the cup over his head. I mean, now, granted, I didn't think Aiden Hill was going to be that guy either. So, you know, maybe Stuart Skinner or Jack Campbell can be that guy. Uh, no, but I think you know, when you take a look at – it's hard to criticize Edmonton for losing to the Stanley Cup champions once again. But, you know, still, you're, you, you have to beat the best team to uh, – you, you have to beat those teams to get yourself, you know, into the final at some point. And – so, look, their depth just didn't, you know, died on them in that in that in that series against Vegas. There, there was no question. I mean, Edmonton, uh, Vegas did such a great job. Uh, William Carlson, in particular, of finding a way to shut down, you know, Leon and Connor, or you know, take your pick of, you know, who he played against. So, I think for Edmonton, it's still our, our goalies need to be better, and you know, you know, Ryan, you know, their depth, like. Chris Cassidy said it. Your best players have to be your best players to win a cup. And then the other guys need to just follow suit and, and, and just do their job. And that's what Edmonton did not have, you know, mm-hmm. beyond Connor, Connor and Leon. You know, where was Ryan Nugent Hopkins in, in the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, you, they, can't, they can't afford for him not to be really good. And I have to wonder, you know, whatever, you know what Evander Kane may have been dealing with physically as well. So look, they got closer, but Pat, I still think about, you know, those post game interviews with both Connor and Leon and how emotional and how angry they were. Uh, Those are two guys that uh, I think will find a way, you know, (laughs) they're they're not taking a step back next year. And, you know, I think that, you know, you just saw how, how much it hurt them to lose. I, I, that's something that, that you would hope and think that, that, the rest of the team can channel uh, to help push them over the top. Uh, where does LA fit in? There's, now there's talk that they might be after Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and they might be a team that tries to acquire the Winnipeg Jets Center. They've been very active over the last number of years, whether it be Arvidsson or Fiala or some of the moves that they've made to bring in important players. They still have a very, very nice crop of young talent that they can use as assets. What, uh, what does L.A. do this offseason, and where do they fit into this, having made the playoffs but having been knocked out in back-to-back years by the Oilers in round one? Well, Pat, I'll push back on, on, on you on the, the nice you know, assets that they have to move because I don't really think they do. To be honest with you, you're not. I you mean, don't. You don't think I, that they've got the. I mean, they for the longest time they've been looked at as a team with yeah. a lot of young talent. You you're a little less into that now. Oh, I've been less into it for a while because if if they had that young talent, 
I think that, the, you know, they wouldn't have made some of the moves that they did. You know, right now, look, we'll see what happens. I think, you know, Arthur Kaliev is a guy that um, I, I would hope gets more of an opportunity next year, you know, to, to just play, every, you know, 80 games uh, and, and likely probably on the third line. But it's a guy that they just have not had faith in. Quinton Byfield is the key. I mean, if they are going to, you know, he has to be, he has to be like the number three center next year. He's got to score 15 to 20 goals. That's, that, if you, you know, that's, if they're talking about, you know, whether it's Pierre-Luc Dubois or, you know, one of, one of the big studs out of Winnipeg, then they have, then they're likely going to move Quinton Byfield, which I don't think is necessarily a bad idea. But, you know, when you hear like Pierre-Luc Dubois' name for Los Angeles, it's like, okay, it's a nice shiny toy kind of like Kevin Fiala, but do they really need it? LA's number one, what LA needs right now, more than anything, is a goalie. Phoenix Copley's it right now. That's it. So they've got to find themselves a goalie. And uh, until they do, and, and, and depending on who that goalie is, you know, if it's, let's say, it's Connor Hellebuck, it's going to cost them, not only is it going to cost them multiple players, which is fine, but they've got to find a way to fit that salary in. I mean, uh, it's very tricky. I mean, Rob Blake has, you know, kind of painted himself into a corner. And, you know, the interesting thing would be for me is, while I don't think, you know, I don't think they'd want to move Victor Arvidsson. I mean, who's one year away from free agency. Pat, uh, he's going to, you know, he's at what, five, four, I think, salary-wise, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. You know, they're, he, he's getting a pay raise. And so if you bring in, let's say, Pierre-Luc Dubois, like, I don't know how you – handle him after like, you know, his, his qualifying offer, you know, nine mil, if they had to go that right. So I just, I, you know, and, and then for any of that to work, whether it's Pierre-Luc Dubois or let's say they were able to trade for Connor Hellebuck, everything then is, then becomes predicated on what is Anze Kopitar willing to play for? You know, what's that number? Because it's not going to be 10 what he's making now, but, you know, is it four? Is it five? With you know, is it you know four or five million dollars with incentives? Is it, you know, th- that's a big a big question mark for if they want to add another significant piece to this roster. I just it, it's very tough because they don't. You know, you've got to think about if you're going to bring someone in with a big payday. Well, who are you moving out? And that's the problem that LA has because they're not going to move out. You know, it's not going to be Drew Doughty. And, you know, there are other guys like Alex Iafalo and Trevor Moore. Like, I could see them moving either one of those guys and really not getting – if they got back a draft pick just to get some cap relief, I could see L.A. doing something like that. Like, they, they have to move this offseason either Iafalo, Moore, or Arvidsson. One of those three guys, there's no – they will not be an L.A. king next year. Yeah. Um, they, they have to, so I think, you know, in, in Los Angeles, there's still more questions than answers. Goaltending being the number one question. Good stuff. JD got to run. Appreciate it. As always, my friend, we'll uh, chat next week. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for having me as always. Hey, pleasure to have you. Thank you, pal. Uh, he's Jonathan Davis, NHL Network, NHL Network Radio, and he joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344.